Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I am Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, Today on the podcast, we're sitting down to kind of record, uh, pick up a conversation that we were kind of maybe starting to have. I don't know exactly what the conversation is going to be exactly. We've kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because we're, um, well, it's funny. We just did an episode on like social media and Mm -hmm. being on our phones and the conversation we're having is a little bit sparked by what we see See. on social media. Yeah. Um, how, I don't know. What would you kind of describe these videos as that we kind of are coming across and kind of interacting with in our social feeds? I would say that they are usually little clips that are pulled out of a Sunday, like a Sunday service. Mm-hmm. Usually, the senior pastor, or lead pastor, and it is like them saying or doing the most cringe things mm-hmm. you would ever. Like, I don't know who are these people that are sitting in your congregation that are putting up with this absolute nonsense. Right. Why are you not getting up and just walking out? Right. Or where is, like, do you, they can't have a strong leadership structure that it's actually, like, holds the pastor accountable or that the pastor at least submits to accountability. Probably that's probably a where it's so insular and like right. it's a bunch of yes men. Because there are some things recently that we've kind of sent back and forth to each other on Instagram or whatever that have been like I would fire myself. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like I love you. You're one of my closest friends, Luke. Mm-hmm. I don't generally. I never like preview your sermons no to make sure that they're appropriate Mm -hmm. for you know the pulpit of this church Mm -hmm. um and even though i love you if you did something (laughs) like i like we've like i'm seeing in these clips i would probably fire you before the service was over (laughs) like it's just what you should right it's that (laughs) it's that bad and so i'm like Part of it is like, okay, could I, could I be the victim of, you know, someone just cut cutting out one little blip of a sermon and posting it online and being like, can you believe this? But <laughs> sure, I, yes, I could. But right. we've done we've done enough of these episodes to know that like, ooh, if we took that out of context and put it, made it into a clip, it could sound more. Worse than it actually is. Worse than it actually is, or it could sound really like thought provoking or whatever. But this isn't that. This is not that. This is much, much different. Right. This is either like what, like what I would consider to be ungodly, unchristlike behavior, Mm -hmm. um, pushing the limp, not even pushing the limits blowing through mm-hmm. like diving off the cliff of cultural relevancy yeah just to try and connect with a contemporary audience mm-hmm. 
so much to the fact that it like I would I would say blasphemes the name of God, mm-hmm. the purpose of the church, the place of worship. Yeah. Um and some of these churches are like pastors or churches where I was like, come on, you mm-hmm. know better. Right. Or you should know or better. Or you should know better. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's or like two, read the room, bro. There's two like two kind of ends of the spectrum. I guess there's these churches that are maybe a little bit I guess some of the more completely and utterly outrageous things are are being done in kind of smaller, more independent churches. Probably churches you've never heard of. Churches or... you've never heard of, you know, yeah. like pastors who don't have a significant platform other than now kind of being known for viral videos of like clips that they probably aren't putting out, but people probably are like going and looking at this church's live stream on Facebook every week mm-hmm. and seeing if they, they do something crazy this week enough to, you know, steal a clip of it and post it somewhere. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where we have maybe high-end, high-visible pastors and churches who are doing things to, a lot of times, a significant amount of applause Mm -hmm. and big crowd um, and amens, um, but is just when you think at all critically about what's happening – and what's being said, it's just... I need, oh, I need to go take a shower after I'm done hearing it, because mm-hmm. I feel gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, do we want to play some of the clips? I mean, we can. <laughs> um, um, or we can even just talk about them if we want to. It's kind of a... Yeah, I don't think that has the same same punch. I don't think it has the same punch. I'll I'll play the one that I showed you earlier. Um about the guy that comes up and asks for prayer or asks to pray. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had searched for it again cuz I needed to find it. Oh, here it is. Okay. So, So the first part of the video, mm-hmm. you can't really hear what's going on. Yeah, but this guy is—it's like from the back of a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Pastor up front. This guy comes to the front, asking either for prayer mm-hmm. or if he can pray. Yeah, yeah, it's not entirely yeah. sure which. And so then, the pastor who is up front, mm-hmm. then as he sees the man coming forward response in this fantastic fashion what do you what are you coming up here to do you want you want to come take over the service uh, huh service. What, what do you want what i just want a prayer man. get out of here can i get can i get a little grace no, no you can't no you, you get out of here get him out of here drag this bozo out pull him out hey help him out get him out and you know what anybody wants to come up here and take over the service We'll throw you out of here, buddy. This church is not a free-for-all. This isn't an open mic. This isn't a karaoke bar, okay? I'm the man of God here. I meet the qualifications. I run this church, and if you don't like it, then get out. This is not some church where every first-time visitor and brand-new believer and people who have never even read the Bible are going to come up and take over the service. Not happening, 
okay? If you want that kind of watered-down leadership, go to some house church with your Amish buddies and sit around the coffee table with your coffee clatch. This is a New Testament church. We have a bishop here. We have an overseer here. Like it or lump it. And if you don't like it, feel free to get up and leave the service at any time. Or 50% of people walk out. I don't care. Because you know what? I'm not going to pastor a oneness cult. I'm not going to pastor a Pentecostal church. I'm the pastor of a Baptist church. And if you're not a Baptist, then get out down. Sit down. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about someone who had too much pre-workout in their morning devotionals. Oh, my gosh. Um... Like, I don't even know what that is, or, like, I don't... Like, sheer and utter total overreaction to a situation. I mean, I think that, I think your description is the underreaction of the century. (laughs) Because it's not. Because he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think ultimately for me, mm-hmm. that is the kicker, is that that man mm-hmm. just showed the character by which he pastors. Mm-hmm. Period. It is not as if he was like, "Oh, I just lost myself in a moment of passion." Right. You know, and something slipped out of my mouth that I didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you feel something deep in your heart about, like, this is the way in which this man pastors these people or right. doesn't pastor them, mm-hmm. but iron fists them. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. Right. Right. Um. You know, and here's the thing, like his line about, I'm the man of God, I run this church. Yeah, if you don't like it, get out. Don't like it, get out. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, I mean, this is maybe, maybe this is an overstatement, but pretty much when you use those words and phrases, you show that you're not. Right. That you're not qualified. Yeah. That you are disqualified, that you're not the man of God to lead this. It's kind of like place. leading with the statement. I think humility is my best. Yeah, I'm the most humble person I know. Yeah. It's <laughs> like leading with that. Like, I am the most <laughs> humble person that I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so when you 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 undo what what should be the stated and clear and obvious fact by your words and actions by stating it. Yeah. Yeah, now, okay, benefit of the doubt, a two-minute clip. I don't know him. I don't know the church. Sure. But in a two-minute clip, you get a really good idea of just who the man is. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to concede that, sure, like, he doesn't have to give over the microphone to anyone. Like, like, I don't, like, if, if someone we did not know came up and approached no, the yeah. stage on Sunday. Mm-mm. Like, we're not going to just say, oh, sure, Here's give the them a microphone or right. something like that. 100%. But we're not going to have them physically removed from the sanctuary. And then flip out on the rest of the congregation. Right. 
you know, why don't you go meet with your Amish friend? <laughs> the weirdest. That was that. That's the statement where I'm like, there is some context. Yeah, seriously, that is needed for that. Yeah, statement. bro, bro's Amish friend opened up a church at some point, and he house, lost a bunch of house people. Amish church or something. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But all it, like you know, like there's a gazillion ways you could have responded with that. Like you could have, you, you he said he had overseer and bishop. Like so, you've got other lay leaders. Have them come up, talk with the guy, and like either give him prayer in the middle of the service if that's what he was asking for, or like have them listen to what is it that you want to share or say, and they can. Yeah. There's a gazillion ways to have handled that. Take him into an office, pray for him, do what needs to be done. Right. Without. And you still get to maintain orderliness of, like he, the what the way he reacted did more to disrupt the order, orderliness of the worship and the service than that than that guy's um mm-hmm. you know request yeah was like and so it's just yep yeah you know what i'm discovering i think <clears throat> the older i get or the longer i'm a pastor is how little tolerance i have for um abusive church leadership Mm-hmm. It just like I there's like I feel very little I feel very little desire in me to be exceedingly graceful mm-hmm. in those situations. Yeah. Like with those that would actively do mm-hmm. the church harm. Yep. Or the people in the church or the church leadership or the church staff or whomever that I'm just like, yeah, yeah, my, like my wick is super short on that or my, I guess my fuse is super short on that. Yeah. And you know, the thing like that I, that frustrates me is like, you know, I'm, having been closer to having, you know, uh, graduated Bible college and a lot of my friends and stuff, we all have gone into a lot of our first church positions and the ones I've kept in touch with, I would probably say that like, like just off the top of my head, me doing an inventory of my friends who are in ministry or serving in ministry, most of them ended up in poor church leadership or unhealthy situations. Why do you think that is? I I don't know. I, I think I mean part of part of the reason simply is is that when you're when you're new, you just take whatever job you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also think some of it has got to do with the um, like the culture around like the type of church that we expect churches to be, like. Um, some of it's even just like organizational. I had a friend who's part of a denomination. He just left, left his position. Um, and I was asking him, I was like, well, what steps? Cause what he was describing to me was pretty atrocious behavior. Um, some pretty awful stuff. And I was like, what, what steps did you take to kind of report or like seek rep, you know, to seek justice on this because you were done wrong and multiple people are, 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 have been done wrong in the situation. And he's, and he's like, well, he's like, I pursued everything that I could, but the way that the structure of the organization, the church, the denomination and all that leaves, 
little teeth for there to be anything done about it mm-hmm. until something until somebody inside of the system kind of makes it blow up mm-hmm. or makes the pastor or the unhealthy leaders leave mm-hmm. there's nothing to be done mm-hmm. and i was like well that's a systems problem mm-hmm. like you know going and filing reports that like you know the denomination can hold on to but can't do anything with mm-hmm. i'm like well that's that's pretty awful right um so i don't know i think it's it's a um you know we i don't know maybe we've talked about this but there is this um weird upside down pyramid that's kind of happening when it comes to um comes to churches right um the majority when i say so picture an upside down pyramid at least it's the way i think about it as you think the majority of christians attend abnormally large churches so like maybe maybe an upside down pyramid is not a helpful way to think about it but majority of christians are attending mega churches attending churches with really large attendance but the majority of churches are around a hundred people. Is that? Did you say that backwards? So you, the majority of Christians attend mega churches rather than the majority of churches or majority of Christians just attend regular churches. So, I think I said it right. So you've got so, like so for example. Um, the way that like kind of talked about this when we when I was studying getting my pastoral ministry degree is most of the people who I was in class with attended churches that were 500 plus. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not necessarily mega churches, but they were 500 plus. They were these big churches. And a lot of people think that that is the normal church experience because that's where the majority of Christians are slowly funneling to. They're going to more and more big churches. But because those churches are big in attendance, there's fewer of them. And now we've got the majority of churches are actually around about 100 people. Mm -hmm. But that experience no longer encapsulates the majority experience of people's church attendance. Mm. See, I I would have thought that it would have been different. I I would have thought that that by sheer number of volume mm-hmm. of smaller churches yeah and lower amount of mega churches mm-hmm. that while it appears as though more people go to big churches there's just an undercurrent of so many people in smaller congregations mm-hmm. so that it would so that while big churches with a full sanctuary appear mm-hmm. to be the norm because they're really big and really full, it's actually the smaller churches with 100 people because they're everywhere. Right. I think that used to be the case. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was told over and over in my classes was that that was not the case, that it had shifted, mm-hmm. where more and more people are attending these you know, what people have come to think of as an average church size, right? Like some of the terms that we use to describe churches are sometimes wrong. Um, people often will say, oh, well, I I attend or you go to or that is a small church. Mm-hmm. And they're referring to a church that's about 100 people, 150 people. Yeah. 
really that's an average size church and people yeah. think like a normal size church is you know upwards of 300 400 500 people plus i suppose it has a lot to do with where you live too it does so like here in chautauqua county mm-hmm. if you someone says well how many people are, are at your church and i say well you know we average between two two fifty on yeah. a sunday it can like somewhere in that realm is our yeah. norm yeah and they're like wow that's a pretty good sized church it's a pretty decent sized church mm-hmm. like well yeah maybe for jamestown or Chicago county but mm-hmm. you know if you go to chicago right the suburbs, suburbs of chicago which are like famously known for big mega churches yeah, or down south mm-hmm. you know and a 200 person 250 100 or 250 person church is a small community church yeah um i still generally know everyone's name here yeah, you know, uh, so um, you know, con- I think context probably makes. Yeah, like it's here. you're not gonna like trying to think on a, uh, like for instance, the large like national context yeah. is kind of hard. The largest church in the county here is like 500, mm-hmm. and that's a county of right 100,000 people. Yeah, but then it's like it's that same thing of like the population, you know, that strange population density towards urban centers. Mm-hmm. that like you know everybody starts kind of having to wrestle with around like election time and stuff like that because you're you know you might be confused why some states are conservative or once why some states are blue or red you know but it's got to do with where the population centers sit mm-hmm. you know so it's a similar kind of dynamic of that of like feeling like oh well the whole state seems to be representative of this type of individual but because the population rests so heavy somewhere else, mm-hmm. the majority experience of that state sits somewhere else yeah. or that area. Yeah. So it's a kind of maybe a similar kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all that point, and you know, maybe maybe we'll look and see if we can't verify some stats or something mm-hmm. on that. Um, but I think my main my main point is being is that like we're normif- making normal uh, certain church culture and experiences either through what more and more people attend and call and consider to be a normal church experience or um or through social media right because like now what do you what what do you see you get to see more on your phone uh and through your maybe your computer or whatever of more you see more of other churches than you probably do of your own church if you're like heavily engaged in like Christian church social media, mm-hmm. um, if you're constantly seeing like sermon clips or you're watching other people's sermons, you very well could be more exposed to churches that are not your church mm-hmm. during throughout the week. Um, and if that's the case, you might become you might be seeing what you don't realize is that you're seeing kind of this. You're seeing a small segment. Of churches represented that's popping up on your media feed and you might begin to see that that's oh well that should be what i expect right i should expect you know um a large service with all the trappings and it should look like a concert and it should feel this way Mm -hmm. and the speaker should talk this way and dress this certain way and so those expectations i think lead to um compromises mm-hmm. inside of who we want to be leaders right 
I think the belief, the myth is, is that like a a church will grow if you get a charismatic leader up front, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's when people begin to prioritize, uh, you know, churches when they're hiring for a pastor. They're like, well, we want to we want to grow. We want to be a big church. Want to be a successful church. Uh, that means we should probably get a pastor who looks like on the outside, you know whatever celebrity pastor they think is the best, you know, and that could look, that doesn't have to look, you know, that doesn't mean that they necessarily have really cool tennis shoes and look really hip. It could also mean they wear a suit. It can go both ways of, you know, Oh, well, okay. We want someone who's like very polished at speaking, looks and acts a certain way is really charismatic can really rally people. But what you've done is you've put a significant outward appearance and skill set above inner character yeah. and qualifications. Yeah. Charisma, charisma over character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And usually what happens is that the Lord, the, the Lord will, the Lord will ultimately balance that scale, you know, yeah, I find, or at least my experience is that the Lord will bring the level of, you know, he will bring the level, we will not like, he will match the level of our success with the level of our character in him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know not like I wouldn't etch that in stone tablets right sure but but generally generally speaking right we don't I think I said this a few weeks ago in a sermon that we don't rise to the level of our or the potential of our calling mm-hmm. we fall to the level of our abiding in Christ yeah so we will not rise to the potential of the calling that God has mm-hmm. given to us which is great because it comes from him yeah we will end up falling to the level of our personal abiding in him and then leading others out of the overflow of that yeah. abiding relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so when I see clips like that, that we just listened to, it makes me angry mm-hmm. uh, because one, I don't like, um, you know, it's um, it's a dereliction of duty. Yeah. Um, but it's also a it puts a very um, big blemish or spot on both the role of pastor and the um, and the body of the church itself. Yeah, I mean, like, because like um, these are you know. There's a, there's a, I don't think we talked about this last week, but like media in general and social media, even more so than traditional media, um, gravitates towards what is shocking, uh, controversial, angry, um, 
And it's the same, you know, it's the same thing that happens when people are driving by a wreck on the highway, right? Everybody slows down and they're, they rubberneck, they turn, they're looking at, they want to see what's going on. And so those things get traction, right? And so a clip like that probably does really well on social media. It's probably actually, probably gains more watches, responses, and shares than somebody who actually does a really good job of preaching the gospel and, you know, pointing people to Christ because that's not as shocking. It's not as like viral making, you know? And so it is, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that like, you know, because I was thinking about this as we were getting ready, I was like, why, why are we going to talk about this? I think, well, like, Part of it is, is because chances are you're running across, cl- not if not that clip, you're running across clips like that. Yep. If you're like, um, and we got to think about them. We got to talk about them because they're, they're not going to go away. I think they're here to stay. Um, you know, people are building, you know, whole kind of like platforms and reach and followers off of sharing content that is mostly just controversial um, or just like upsetting or inciting. Well, like the reel that we sent each other a couple of days apart <laughs> about a pastor who shoots an Easter bunny on stage on Easter Sunday and then rants and raves about how we're not talking about the Easter bunny this morning and then he has someone in a Santa Claus <laughs> costume come and drag the dead Easter yeah. bunny off. Well, and then he <laughs> shoots Santa. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm like, what is going on? I couldn't really see from the clip. Did he have like a gun and holster yes, on him? Just like a cowboy. Just like a cowboy. They had Texas flags yeah. everywhere, if I remember correctly. And like, and what's I think even crazier is that he got two volunteers. <laughs> Somebody dressed up in an yeah. Easter Bunny costume and Santa Claus costume. Oh, I'm just like, what are people thinking? So like. And the fun, you know, I I will take this pot shot at that clip. Um, if you want to talk about like idols in the church, like you know, usurping, you know, uh, Christmas and Easter, and like the commercialization of it, don't do it on that day. Don't do it on that day. Or also take down the flags yeah. that aren't Christ yeah. from your church. There you go. Um, <laughs> like, like yep. a an idol that, like, I would say seems to be that you're oblivious to is not the Easter Bunny, but yeah, uh, nationalism. Nationalism. Yeah. Um, you know, take that down. Um, so that just infuriates me. Or do we want to talk about the um, the Beatles clip? Sure, we can do that. Yeah. So there's um, clip you sent me it was um, large. Large church, you know, kind of stereotypical, like, concert-looking sanctuary, Mm -hmm. lights, and everybody's got these, like, glow LED, like, tambourine Mm -hmm. shaker things, or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, light things that the whole crowd's got. And the worship team is up there, and they're, like, um, leading the... Uh, congregation and singing, Hey Jude, mm. right? And I don't want to sing the whole song or else we'll yeah. get like monetized band or something. Right. But I don't think my singing's that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're all singing, Hey Jude. And this wasn't a clip that like somebody 
took of this church and then like put it and said like isn't this shocking at what this church is doing this was a clip that church put together and said hey this is a thing we're doing like we're starting all of our sermons or all of our services during the summer with like our favorite summer tune or something like that yes. and that week they had done a Beatles song they did hey jude as the opening song and they kind of, so they just the way they start all their services for the summer is starts off with singing some pop song that everybody loves to mm-hmm. jam out to and mm-hmm. they're all singing and then once they're finished singing whatever that song is presumably they transition somehow into singing worship songs to Jesus. Yeah. And, and you can tell that the crowd is really into Hey Jude. Yes. Like really singing. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard, nah, 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 but like... Yeah. <laughs> but like waving the tambourines. Yep. Arms up in the air, really singing. And then like, as soon as the worship music starts, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to see, as yeah. soon as the worship music starts, tambourines go away. Like... So why is it bad? Why why or maybe it's not bad. Maybe we shouldn't just outright say it's bad. Why I don't know like cuz I know I can I can hear the apologist for someone who would argue for that, right? Like in my head I can hear someone say, "Well, like, well, like, you know, we've got people who don't know Jesus coming to this church and like we want to show them that Christians can have fun too and they don't have to just be, you know, party poopers and they can um you know, they can just, they can enjoy a good Beatles song too, right? And so like, and you know, summer attendance is normally low. And so we do, you know, particular sermon series and things like that to kind of like bring people in to continue to raise engagement and not just kind of, uh, you know, just resign ourselves to letting summers be low attendance, mm-hmm. right? It's all in the name of reaching people for Jesus. Like yeah. I can hear that mm-hmm. uh, rhetoric. I can hear that explanation mm-hmm. for it. Um, I can even recognize, you know, some positive heart elements behind it. But for me, it conflates particularly like, and I even agree with a number of the sentiment sentiments I just said, but putting what is just mere entertainment that has no distinction between like what you would see at like a Beatles cover band concert and then putting it right next to worship. Mm-hmm. And what's the discernible difference, and who can discern that difference? Certainly not. Certainly not an unbeliever, right? Like the, the ones you're 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 trying you're, to reach. You're trying to reach. Certainly, it's not someone who's marginalized, right? Because what what is the difference? You have to have a theology of what's the, what's happening in those two moments, mm-hmm. and what's the difference? And it begins to. And it, what it does for me is it begins to pose a even more critical and crucial and scary question is not what's happening during the uh, singing of Hey Jude, what's happening during your worship, yep. whether you sing Hey Jude or not. Yep. Because if you're willing to put them that close to each other, is it just a concert? Is it just like, yeah. let's get people to sing and like feel something? Or is it? something more sacred is supposed to be happening there yeah. than what's is happening. Yeah. And I find that really disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just is runs, runs um, parallel with just a lot of, a lot of dangerous um, ecclesiology 
a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of dangerous understanding of what the purpose of the church in the world is and whether or not I think we could have a pretty long conversation about whether or not um the church should really work really hard to be culturally relevant. Yeah. Like how yeah. how hard are we supposed to try and cross that bridge? Yeah. Which I think has been like a default assumption that we ought to mm-hmm. for several decades inside of a significant segment of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think we've come pretty close to getting to the bottom of that well. Yeah. Yeah, because we see that we're not able to not cross lines. The church is generally not able to not be now indistinguishable from the rock concert that you're at. Well, what is it that we're we're offering? Right. Are we offering Christ? Is yeah. Is is this is this Christocentric? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I agree with all the reasons you said. Well, yeah, like, like what's wrong with having fun and singing a fun song and right. all that? Well, nothing. Right. Nothing is wrong wrong with it. Um, but when we put it parallel to the experience of worship, mm-hmm. we don't elevate "Hey Jude." We cheapen Christ. worship. So do it, do it in the Sunday picnic afterwards or something. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I I can imagine contexts in which that would be appropriate, but I don't like, what are we offering? Are we offering people entertainment or are we offering people Christ? Right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time with that because I, I generally, the church that that happened in, I, I generally respect their leadership, mm-hmm. their pastor, and think that he has a lot of good things to say. Yeah. And um, is usually misunderstood. Right. Um, in fact, his latest book, not the, not, what the heck is it called? Um, I don't know. Because I don't pay that much attention to him, I don't think. Anyway, he wrote a book. It's Andy Stanley. Irresistible. Something like that. Anyway, he wrote a book Mm -hmm. that he really got lambasted for. Mm -hmm. Because he essentially called the church to task for its idolatry of the Bible. Mm. Now, you say... That it's a thin line. It's a thin line. Really thin line. Right. But I. But we've come at. We've, we've talked. We've about talked that. about that. Yes. We've, we've talk- definitely talked about that issue. Yeah. And how the church has put its authority in scripture. Mm-hmm. And if you say that in any Christian church, you get an amen. Yeah. The authority of God is the Word of God, the Scripture. Right. Right. Um. And you said that here here in the podcast. I think we actually have a little reel about mm-hmm. it. Yep. That. Actually, some people even got mad about. <laughs> yep, some people got mad about right that uh, our authority is not the scripture. Right. No, the uh, our authority is Jesus Christ. Right. All authority on heaven and earth has been mm-hmm. given to him. Um, and 
So he was trying to make a a corrective of bringing people back to the center of the church is 100%. Right. Under the authority of Jesus. Which is... Which is not like a, it's not a new theological nuance. It's been around for a while. Yep. Um, I think the other person who, at least in my mind, most famously kind of tried to make that distinction and sometimes gets um, misunderstood or lambasted for it was Barth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his understanding of scripture and like he kind of reworked. Uh, he was a theologian working in Europe during a very liberal part of theology, and he came up with neo-orthodoxy, mm-hmm. which was an attempt to return to orthodoxy, but through a theocentric or a God-centric and Christ-centric framework. Mm-hmm. So it was a different type of systematic theology. So when he came and talked about the Bible, it was, again, the Bible as not the Bible. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's Christ as we know Him through the Bible mm-hmm. that we are submitting ourselves to. Mm-hmm. So, but that again, that's a distinction that. Yeah. So anyway, he took a lot of lot of heat for that, mm-hmm. um, and continued to defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think it's accurate. I think it's accurate, and I don't. I don't get the sense that he doesn't think critically or intentionally about the types of things that they do in service. Um, and I think most would say, and I, even I would say this, that it's not that that's not like singing "Hey Jude" at the beginning of a worship service is not what I would consider to be a disqualifying no thing. It's it's yeah. a, I think it's a prefer leadership preferential thing probably. Sure. Um, uh, I just I would never do it because I don't know that I would just could ever feel good about the theological implications of doing yeah. something like that. I think that's at least in my mind. I think that's what he Andy Stanley has probably been um, accused of the most over the years is is that line of like how far do you go in order to be winsome. He goes pretty far. Uh, he goes pretty far. Yep. So that's, mm-hmm. you know. He also has incredible um, influence. Yeah. Reach. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But then again, it's difficult to know the character of the man. You know, by, yep. all, by all accounts, he seems to be a man of God and, you know, have pretty tremendous character. I did meet him once. Oh, really? Had, a, you know, three-minute conversation with him in a um in a line at catalyst west conference out in california and he was uh one of the keynotes and did a great job and he signed my book the same book i was just referencing yeah and uh we had a had a brief conversation with him um seemed like a real genuine guy but yeah. um i'm hoping if we go to gls i can i can get a picture with craig Rochelle. Who yeah, I also have a picture. I, who I also met out there once, but yeah, um, he trains jujitsu now. <laughs> so Craig and I are like, 
besties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pastor Jiu-Jitsu. Right. We, we should do like a podcast trade-off. We bring him on here. And then he'll uh, come on to, and we'll go on to his podcast, right? Like, let's go. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> come on. Our That's podcast is talking. definitely as big as his. Now um, you're talking. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. But, anyways, it does like, I don't know, the face of what is what happens inside of churches. And it probably sped up because of. Um, you know, I feel like pre-pandemic, it was kind of the the norm for a church to have um, at least an audio recording, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was pretty safe to say that, like, any church you went onto their YouTube or went onto, like, their, their web page, their website, you would find, like, an audio podcast of their sermon, of their sermons and their services. I think COVID and the pandemic bumped that to now that like everybody's at least got a bad video recording of their service and usually in its entirety um, posted on social media somewhere each week. That's now become like, you know, pre COVID, you know, it was maybe like, you know, a 50, 50 chance Mm -hmm. as to whether or not you were going to find video recordings of sermons on a website. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost ubiquitous. You will find someone video recordings of things. And so now what is happening inside of churches is more and more visible than it ever has been before. Mm -hmm. I hope that with that comes some greater accountability, discussion, maybe some change, Um, hopefully. I hope that it doesn't become a cycle that just perpetuates itself, where we see more and more outrageous things beget more and more outrageous things. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that ultimately is what has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You, when you, when you run in the norm of fairly outrageous things, mm-hmm. you have to keep bumping the outrageous factor yeah. to hold control or hold attention of the crowd that you have gathered to see the outrageous things. Right. There were, I don't. Does not me, not my idea. Don't remember who said it or who, where I read it. But somebody pointed out that like what you win people with is what you win them to. Yes. Right. So if we're winning people to Christ with fancy songs or crazy, outrageous sermon out illustrations or a fantastic worship experience, that's what we're winning them to. Mm-hmm. If we win them with the gospel with grace with christ where that's what we're clearly winning them to and it's i don't know it's hard to say like i i'm you know i'm not a sociologist i don't i don't have all the research i don't done i haven't done all i haven't been to every church haven't been around long enough but what seems to me from my vantage point is that a large reason why we have so many people who seem to be walking away from the faith or deconstructing or trying to figure out like jumping denominations and things like that is because we have people growing up in really anemic churches, Mm. churches where um, I think like whether it's a big personality, a certain type of experience, um, 
abusive relationship that or abusive leadership that's kind of a lends an air of authority or control or spirituality. And I think that lasts for so long, but then I think people eventually wake up mm-hmm. and they step out of it. And then they realize like, I don't have much substance behind mm-hmm. what if I, if I, st- if I had to go to a church that didn't have a, let's say like people had to go to a church and they didn't have access to podcasts or YouTube and you had to sit underneath preaching that was faithful, Christ-centric, biblically expositional, all the positive things, but it really just wasn't all that good. Like, if you know what I mean, like a solid, someone who delivers the message that God has given them to deliver, mm-hmm. but they're just not a good public speaker. They're they're not yep. that great. Mm-hmm. What If that was the church you had to attend... Would your what would your what would happen to your faith in your relationship with Christ? It'd be really difficult. Yeah, I mean, it would. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I like you know. I want to. I want to say like no, like because God is the one that you know develops our relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, um, and that we can stay. We can abide with Christ mm-hmm. even in the midst of non-charismatic preaching right. or whatever. That we can still grow mm-hmm. in our faith and still be we're still discipled. So I would say, yeah, like it would be, you know, um, it would be maybe a it would be a much different experience. Yeah. But I think you could still grow. Yep. Um, be a challenge. Be a right? challenge. And I'm not making yeah. an excuse. I don't think pastors should just say, like, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm a bad public speaker. I think no. we should Mm-mm. strive to grow in that. But if, but the question that, the thing that I'm trying to drive at is I wonder is we have people who are connecting with people's good public speaking. Yep. And not Christ. Yep. And if they were forced to attend a church that had Christ, but didn't have good public speaking, mm-hmm. what would happen? Right. It'd be like, w- would people be moved, would people be moved in discipleship or, or moved closer to Jesus the same through sitting through one of your sermons as they would by reading the transcript? Mm-hmm. Because one, they're going to get just the content. The other, they're going to get the personality. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that there is a difference there. Yeah. Where did we start the conversation? We, we started the conversation with just like, what is, I, I guess kind of just like opening it up with like, what are the things that like, we, we send these videos to each other with some regularity. I yep. see, you know, I spend any amount of time on, on social media. I'll run across one of these in a day, yep. you know, of somebody acting this way. And question is, is what, what do we, what do we do with these? Yeah. I guess like, what are we, where do we process this? Yeah, I think that we we need to say that even though they're right in front of our face, they're probably not the norm. Yep. Don't get discouraged when you see them. Mm-hmm. Because there are many, many, many faithful pastors yeah. who are not screaming at people. Mm-hmm. 
um, who are not doing outrageous things in order to, you know, um, entertain a crowd yep. who simply want to bring people closer to Jesus. Um, and so when you see them, don't get discouraged. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that that's everywhere. That's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that the church does. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this, let it move you towards praying for your pastor, mm-hmm. for your pastors, wherever you go to church, wherever you're listening to, if it's, you go to conduit and we're your pastors, if you go somewhere else and you have pastors there or a pastor there or whatever, mm-hmm. pray for them. Yep. Pray that they would hear from the Lord. Pray that they would be inspired to in, in their proclamation of the word, in their preaching, so that it would not just be a kind of like rote, um, dry, yeah. you know, just communicating, passing on content, but that mm-hmm. it would that there would be a significant portion of their personality that would shine through because that's you know God's working through our personalities, right? Um, and so, and then if you are getting into a place where you feel like those types of clips on social media or whatever are really discouraging mm-hmm. or really angering or whatever they are, yep. I mean it might be might be wise to take a break from that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We I I've I like I think before I was officially in like ministry ministry. I think I was this was I was younger. I hadn't gone to school yet. I was serving and volunteering in ministry, but I was beginning to encounter uh ministries and platforms where the whole whole ministry's job or idea or like goal was to essentially like call out, expose or accuse uh, false teachers, bad teachers, bad theology, uh, bad churches and like these these things still exist. There's whole whole ministries that like that is almost all that they do is that you know i can even think of churches that spend a significant amount of time like in in their preaching and public facing stuff talking about other churches or other ministries that fail to be as faithful to christ as they feel like they should be and while i think like we've done you know and we will continue to do you know an occasional dive into and talking about um other trends that we see in other churches and videos like this and and all of that by no means do i think like that's like, neither of us want that to be a defining aspect of our ministry like i i came to the conviction that being defined by what i'm against is a terrible way to go about doing pretty much anything yep and so ministries or teaching ministries that are oriented around what they are primarily against is um that's a pretty that that's going to lead you to minister in a particularly unhelpful way in my opinion um and so and so some of these clips can kind of lead you into that path and i'm not saying that we shouldn't ever be against things not saying that either like we should be against certain things but I want us to be, or at least I want to be a little bit more defined by what I'm for. Mm-hmm. I'm for Christ. I'm yep. for following after him, for knowing him more. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, dedicate time to promoting that message. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes that requires that we talk about the things that are not quite in line with that. But if that's all I end up doing, like I've never seen that bear good emotional and mental fruit in anyone's life. Right. I've never seen anyone who's like consistent intake was content that was calling out people. I, I can't remember what those ministries, there's a name for those types of ministries. Um, watchdog ministry is not the right thing, but yeah. um, contender ministry. Something like that. There's something, something like that, that kind of defines those types of ministries. Anyone who's like... They self-proclaim to be like an ombudsman of all churches and yes, all ministries. Yeah. yeah. And anyone who drinks from those on a regular basis, I've never seen positive fruits of the Spirit born out of that. I don't see meekness, self-control, love, gentle kindness. Mm-hmm. I don't see those things. Mm-hmm. I see anger uh, and frustration. And mm-hmm. so the same thing with these clips is like... If we are continually in taking in things that just like stir us up with anger towards mm-hmm. that, like maybe we probably need to be wise of what we're taking yeah. in, and and also recognize too some of my philosophy of like um, social media argumentation which is like Facebook is really well known for and mm-hmm. the comments of any post ever in the internet is known for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of that back and forth, that arguing is, do you, do you have a personal relationship with that person? Right. Do you have any context in which it would be appropriate for you to speak into their life? Yeah. And if you do, you should do it over the phone or in person and not over the social media. And if you don't have any context or relationship, you should probably just move on with your life. That's why we have guidelines for social media use here as a church, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You won't see Cameron and I, particularly on our, I don't think in our private social media accounts or on the conduit social media accounts, like we're not, out to pick arguments or no, we, we won't. We just, we just flat out won't. Yeah. So. We'll either ignore you or just delete you. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. um, you know, that's not, and we would have like, but we'll have a conversation with you. If we have a relationship with you. Yep. We'll talk, talk about hard things. Yeah. Just not going to like do the tit for tat back and forth. No, I'm yeah. not, I'm not interested in defending myself against an yeah. unnamed username. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that would be wise. I suggest that as submit that as wise counsel for anyone who's on the internet. Don't whether you're a pastor, pastor or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. just don't argue with people on social yep. media. It's I've never met anyone who was like you know, there was this one comment once mm-hmm. someone made on the thing that I said, yeah. and and they convinced they changed my mind. Yeah, I've never met that person. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't think it happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Nope. Okay. Well, we I, I probably end for there. Yeah. There today. Uh, as always, please like this, subscribe to it, share it, download it, rate it. If you can do that. If you have any questions for us that you would like us to tackle on the podcast, our uh, mailbag number is 716-201-0507. And uh, we'll try to do a mailbag episode here coming up soon. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See you next time.